Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO Show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got a very interesting gentleman with me, a gentleman by the name of Mark Channon. Hello, Mark. Good to see you, Kevin. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. So, Mark, we're going to have a chat today about the year lying ahead. With the last couple of episodes of the show, we've been talking about reviewing your teams, setting objectives and things like that. But today, I think we're going to have a chat about, well, how do you actually make it happen? How do you embed this stuff? But before we start, Mark, tell us a little bit about you. Okay, so it's fair to say um, I've had a very eclectic background. It's very, very, very mixed. I actually, I was an actor for 15 years. I'll be 50 next year. I'm 49 right now. But back in the early 90s, I was an actor for about 15 years. Lots of musicals, lots of stuff in the West End. And uh, during that time, I got involved in what some people would consider a, a fairly crazy world. It was a world of memory improvement. I ended up writing a game show for the BBC. I don't even remember it. It was called Monkhouse's Memory Masters. Oh, I do remember it. Do you? You know, you're yes. one of a few. <laughs> Not many people remember it anymore. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Um, it, went to about, it went out to about 8 million people though. So it was quite big at the time. And it had a bit of a, a, a major transformation in my life because for the last 25 years, one of the things that I've done is show people how to improve their memory, improve their focus, bust through learning curves, etc. Um, so I've, I've worked as a coach for the last 25 years in that area. Um, but I have also had quite a mixed bag in terms of my background. I worked in product development. I was at the BBC for seven years. I was at Telegraph for four years. Uh, I worked at Microsoft for a while, run my own startup. So I've got quite a large product development yeah. background and digital products. So it's a real mix. Um, and, and over those years, you kind of, I think like many people, you pick up a lot of strategies along the way. Um, I trained as a hypnotherapist for a year, did a lot of trained as an ex- executive coach. So you kind of have this mixed bag. Um, right now, I run my own coaching business. So that's my primary focus. I work a lot with people who are doing career transition. I work with a lot of startups on the product development side. And I like it because I get a lot of variety. But I think the reason I like it the most is that you see the impact that people can have by sometimes just making a few simple changes in their lives. Mm. I, I guess that takes us to, to what we're going to talk about today. A few simple changes in your life. All right. So it's the first week in January. We've all sat there making those wild New Year's resolutions. By, by now, we've probably broken them all already. How do you make those few simple changes in your life, Mark? It's a good question. Interesting. My first step, and I've done this for years now, is I never make New Year's resolutions. And I don't actually think about planning the what's going to happen in that year. I might have some thoughts about it. But whenever I work with clients, I always, always suggest the same thing till about the 15th of Jan. So let, the, let all the hype mm. over that new year fade away and then get very, very focused about what is it that you want to do going forward. Yeah. Now, um, you, know, you know something, Mark? I, I'm kind of the same as you. I don't set New Year's resolutions either. And I do think a little bit about what do I want to achieve in, in the next year. But I tend to do that in September. Yeah. And I, I think that's something about, well, the new school year always start in September. The new university year, whatever it was, it always seems to be the time of the year for new things starting up. And now you're back from your summer holidays, freshened, ready to go. What's it all about? Yeah. 
So, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, my planning for next year, like you, it's started. I know what next year looks like. I'll have a break and then probably about the 15th, I'll start ramping things up. Mm-hmm. But I think like many people, you know, I've got, I've got a framework that I use. I do like a 3-3-1 where I look at three years from now. I look at three months from now. And we used to do this when I worked in corporates and I worked yeah. in the or Telegraph. So you, you'll work across the quarter. I'll use a set of objectives, key results. I'll use the OKR mm-hmm. method for clarity. But then, then I'm really, really big on what's the one big thing. So in terms of three, three, one, three years, three months, one, what is the one big thing this week? Yeah. So, and, and the analogy I like to use is, I don't know if you've seen Harry Potter. I've got three boys, so yeah. obviously yeah, yeah, seen yeah. I've seen all the Harry Potter films. Yeah. Uh, and when Dumbledore takes the memories out of his head, and I deal with memory a lot, so this sounds almost counterintuitive coming from a memory guy, but whenever I work with anyone on focus or let's say productivity or memory, I always suggest get the stuff out of your head clear. So in, yeah. in, the way you do that in the week is ask yourself, what is the one big win for this week it doesn't mean you don't have a to-do list it just means you start to get clarity on the priorities and how you'll react to things uh on along that lines then you get down to the daily actions that you take and this probably is more relevant to the actual question that you asked and this is where i i use something called tiny habits yeah you've heard of tiny habits i've heard of tiny habits i i I discovered tiny habits on an online course years ago and there's the link to the the prof in the state that invented it, mm-hmm. uh, whose name escapes me for the time being. Yeah, so so BJ Fogg. So BJ, BJ Fogg, that's the man, Doctor Fogg. You know what? I, I know I've known BJ for years now. I was actually one of the first UK coaches in Tiny Habits. Mm. So I trained with BJ many many years ago. Still don't know what B stands for or the J. But there you go, just mm. BJ. And I was fascinated by it. It, it. I was fascinated by the promise of tiny habits. And I remember I, I was chatting to BJ. It was one of the first calls that we did. And the promise was create new behaviors without the need for willpower or motivation. I thought, well, I have to try this because it sounds too yeah. good to be true. Right? Really? No this is exactly what I love about it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so I was very cynical. I'll be honest before I started. <laughs> But the, I, I did the five-day free course, and this is something that I run as well with people that come in, and it's kind of in partnership with BJ. And during that five days, you essentially start with some really simple behaviors that you want to create, just so you can learn the process of tiny habits. So mine's was like super simple, drink more water. I thought, I'm not drinking enough, I need to be more energized, I want to drink more, so okay. So I created a little tiny habit, around drinking water. After I get up in the morning, I will drink some water, and with a tiny habit, you end up doing this little celebration. I go, great. Uh, the second tiny habit I created was around uh, getting fitter in my life. Now, I actually, I was a, a, an actor, like I said, and during my musical theater days, I used to do all sorts of crazy things. I did singing in the rain, actually where I met my wife at the National Theater many years ago, 2000, and I used to somersault off walls but I had quite a few bad falls. It didn't work. I can imagine. Yeah, I don't fancy some assaulting off walls. Eight shows a week, it didn't always work. And so I kind of busted my back up a little bit. So I have to do Pilates every day, but I wasn't being consistent. And I didn't actually want to do it. It's not that I really enjoy doing it. I just have to do it. And I thought, you know what? 
if tiny habits can help me do Pilates every day, I'm sold. That'll do it. <laughs> and so I created a, a, a tiny habit where it, it was something like this. After I walk into the living room, I will put my Pilates mat on the floor and then you do the celebration. I go, yes. And then I go back to bed. <laughs> That's all I did. <laughs> That's crazy. But for like four days. But the idea is, um, you can think about it is in terms of ABC. This is the kind of analogy. A is for the anchor. Pick a moment in your life, a current habit that exists. B, take a behavior you want to create. For me, I wanted to end up doing about 20 to 30 minutes of Pilates. But you do the very tiniest version of that. So I thought the tiniest version is just putting the Pilates mat on the floor. And then C is the third part, is a celebration. Now, the celebration is really important because what that gives you when you give yourself a big old fist bump or a high five, it feels silly, but there's an emotion created. And that's what actually makes the habit automatic. Mm. It's what makes it stick. So tomorrow when you wake up, you walk into the living room, and, oh, Pilates mat on the floor. And so it starts to be something that you don't have to consciously think about. Anyway, it worked for me. And I ended up, third, fourth day, ended up doing 10 minutes of Pilates. And then it grew. And I don't think there's a day that's gone by, maybe the odd occasion, that you know I haven't done it. It's something that is just built in now. It's a ritual. It's a behavior. Something yeah. that I always do. Even if I'm, I'm off somewhere, I'll mm-hmm. still find at least um, you know five minutes to kind of go through that process. Yeah, I can reflect on something fairly similar. Um, actually, it's it's chaining more habits together than that you just mentioned. Um, I've got a neck problem. It's, I was involved in a car accident years ago and it left me. And these days, you'd probably sue the driver that came in the back of me for the, the whiplash it caused. But back then, you didn't do that sort of thing. Uh, so I tend to go for a bit of physio once every six weeks or so. And, and Tracy, the physio, said, Kevin, you're... Well, first of all, you're spending too much time sitting in front of a screen. You need to get up more and walk about more during the day. Oh, and do you realise you're dehydrated? So back to your thing about water. And I'd done a little bit of that anyway. So the tiny habit was quite simple. When you sit down at your desk, make sure that you sit down with a pint glass of water on the desk, okay, which you then drink during the next working session. That's fine. Sit down at desk, trigger, glass of water on the desk, action. Thing is, that then leads to another action. Drink a pint of water. What goes in has to come out again. (laughs) That nice little tiny habit then means that I've got to get up from this desk quite a bit more often. And then Tracy added another habit to this that said, okay, when you've gone to remove the water from your system, do 10 push-ups against the wall. So not full push-ups on the floor, but arms out, push against the wall, that'll loosen your neck off. So number one, we've solved the dehydration. Number two, we've solved the sitting at your desk too long. And number three, we've done something about stretching the right muscles around your neck so it doesn't get tensed up. And that kind of two tiny habits in there Sort of flush the loo, 10 push-ups, trigger action once again. And it works. It really does work. Yeah, I, I see it all the time. You're so right. It's the, 
I think it was what amazed me when I first went through the process is there's a domino effect. And and even with something, you know, I was drinking a glass of water in the morning. However, like you, what it actually did was prime my brain. So now water was drawing my attention. So I remember yeah. I then go to work and I was actually working at the Telegraph at the time and I'd pass the water cooler and I started just drinking more water naturally because my brain was thinking, oh, I might as well drink some more water because now I was saying this is important subconsciously. <laughs> and you have that knock-on effect. So something super, super tiny. And so I, I know when some people go through the process, they go, what do you mean one push-up? I want to do like, I want to work out. We'll just start with one push-up. And it doesn't feel enough, but once it becomes automatic, it almost becomes quite addictive. You just want to do more. Yeah. And actually what then happens is your motivation levels increase as well, but that's mm. not where you start. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think there's something there, Mark, in whatever you want to achieve, make sure you do it by routine and do it consistently. Um, great book that I loved reading, a book called Routine Machine by John Lamerton. And anybody who can manage to put a, a chapter on the Arsenal back four and one nil to the Arsenal in a book about time management gets my vote every time. But John's essentially saying that, look, what I, what I will do is I'll do what I want, when I want, if I want. But hang on a minute. That means that if I've made the choice that I want to do something, then the only way to guarantee that I've got get it done is to actually schedule it in. So at nine o'clock, I will sit down and do X every Monday. And to me, that, that works as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a word that you said there about choice. And it's in the moments where you don't want to do something, realizing that you now have a choice whether you do or whether you don't. Yes. Because a lot of us will go, I remember I, I just finished writing a book over the summer. It was a, a book for actors on rapid line learning for additions and performance, etc. And because like, everyone else i'm doing a day job i'm working through the day i'm i would ended up writing my book between the hours of about 10 p.m and 2 a.m in the morning and i didn't always want to write that book Quite. you get that phrase pop into your head like wow why do i have to do this now whenever that happens i catch myself now and go well you don't have to do anything <laughs> and the, yeah. one and then you start to realize you have that conversation when you go well actually i'm really grateful that i've got an opportunity to actually write the book and I've got a publisher for this thing and wow, this is really amazing. Actually, this is super exciting. And within about 60 seconds, now you feel very, very differently about sitting down for the next four hours and you overcome that inertia, which is that procrastination which stops you. Yeah. You've got that switch and you go, well, I've got mm -hmm. a choice. It's something my wife reminds me on as well. <laughs> Whenever I, mm -hmm. If ever I say that phrase, she goes, you've got the choice and you go, you're so right. Yeah, but in actual fact, what, what What's the decision there? It's do I write a word down on a piece of paper or don't I write a word down on a piece of paper? It's literally as small as that. Yeah. And it's as easy to write a word down as it is not to write a word down. And that's the problem. It's as easy not to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think and this is why I think there's also something else about understanding. And this can happen at the outset of anything that you want to achieve is, is why. Yeah. Why is it important? And it sounds super obvious. And sometimes we might think that we understand why. We don't always do. We haven't really dug really deep to understand what 
impact will following through on something like writing a book, for example, have in my life? How might that make a difference for other people? And you start to go down that avenue and you really start to tap into some of those deeper values of maybe what you're even here to do. And that becomes highly motivating. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say to anybody that may not have worked their purpose out, go work it out. But hey, yeah. there's a whole other podcast in that market. There's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah. but now, we, we've talked about those, those tiny habits. Now, tiny habits is great for getting small things started on a regular basis. What about the big stuff? We touched on it a little bit, I mean, there's you writing the book, but you know, there's, there's something more than writing that first word. There's something that's more about getting into the flow of doing it. How do you actually make it happen, Mark? So I, it's partly, if you, if you go through the process of tiny habits, it's partly then understanding what needs to happen to grow something that is tiny into something larger. Okay. Uh, okay. And, tell me more. And this what's really taps into the consistency. So the idea, if you can consistently sit down for thirty seconds at ten p.m. at night, maybe after you pour yourself a cup of tea, I'll sit down for thirty seconds, open up your laptop, write one word, close it, celebrate, go to bed. Then that moment becomes automatic. Once something has become automatic in that way, it's then easier to go. You know what? Today. I will write for the next 25 minutes. But if tomorrow I just want to write one word, I also have that choice. And it's that word consistency. So I think consistency has to exist if you really want to grow a larger behavior mm. over that period of time. And so that's the point where I'd start uh, is actually building in that consistency. And then there's the act of what if I'm distracted? What if I sit down and I do my tiny habit, but still, oh, okay, I just, something is blocking me in some way. There's some kind of friction there. I'm thinking about what I've got to do tomorrow at work. So I can't focus. And this is where strategies, things like the Pomodoro technique, which set in a timer, we already talked about at the beginning there. So yeah, yeah. Pomodoro, that idea of what, can I, can I do to bring myself present in the moment and let go of everything else? So I think if you want to create a larger behavior, we use the book example, I was writing for four hours. And so to write for four hours, I would use my, I'd use my phone, I'd do my 25 minute timer, but I didn't think about what I was going to write about before I set the timer. I would mm -hmm. press the button and, that's, and now I'm off. It's like I've stepped on the roller coaster, I now can't get off. I, I can then ask myself, okay, what is the next four hours about? That question sets you up for that yeah. four hour period. Because now my, 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 I'm now thinking, okay, what, what are the, the timers started? I'm off. What's hmm. the next four hours? Well, I'm going to write the skeleton of this chapter. If I finish it early, awesome. I'll go to bed once I've done that. If I don't get there, it's okay. I'm still going to get through a lot of work. So I do think it's that balance of one creating something which is automatic and consistent knowing you have the choice to grow that as large or as small is this going to be right for you and then also having a process a system which allows you to focus at the highest level that that you can 
and there's things you can do in the moment for that but then there's other things outside of that things like mindfulness or meditation there's lots of research around the benefits of practicing mindfulness and for me that's really about your ability to focus on one thing and nothing else mm. you know as an actor we used to do <laughs> this is when i was like a in my early 20s stanislavski type exercises where you'd pick up an object and you do something called sense memory where you'd spend 30 minutes observing a rock which sounds ridiculous but actually the skill that you're practicing is being completely present and round about you people will be trying to distract you and do things to knock you off guard now there's a benefit to that when you step on stage nothing's going to knock you off mm. you practice that art of being completely in the moment if you do public speaking same thing that can translate to different different um areas of your life yeah 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 and th there's a few things there that you've mentioned and i i come back first of all to to john lamerton's book and his whole point of mentioning the the arsenal back four and one nil to the arsenal was hey they had to put in a lot of consistent regular drills on the training pitch to get one nil to the arsenal it didn't just happen there was a whole load of routine on the training ground to get there um, I think the, the other thing, and it's something I've used a fair bit in the past, Pomodoro technique. In fact, that drinking water example is a classic one. You sit down with that glass of water at the start of your 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to get back into that next year because there's, there's so much benefit in using that Pomodoro set the time for 25 minutes. And I, I did find when I was doing it regularly you got to the end of the 25 minutes and you almost ignored the alarm going off because you were in flow. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. It's interesting, actually. When I, when I work with Pomodoro, so I've got a few distinctions that I kind of layer around it. One is I have a little technique where I'll get mini post-it notes. And if I'm writing a book, for example, or if I'm putting together a presentation or coming up with uh, working on a project, I'll allocate in that day a number of post-its and each of them represent 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. And you almost gamify the experience. So I put down four or five post-its. Those, those are 25-minute chunks. And then because my day, I think like many, is that you can't block out three hours to do one thing. I might be having certain meetings or coaching. And so therefore you have to be able to context switch. So I'm quite big on how do you go from doing one thing and then very rapidly hitting a high level of focus, doing 25 minutes solid and be able to move something forward. Mm. And so I almost suggest and recommend that after you 25 minutes stop, literally be religious in stopping, break, walk away from it and then practice switching right back into it. Because what you said about that practice you're training your brain to very quickly context switch yeah you know, and it, I, it, I think that's that's where i haven't been doing it perhaps as well as i could because i don't have those post-it notes i've sort of sat down and thinking what i want to achieve today oh it's this bang 25 minutes let's start i haven't sort of chunked it down into into its component bits and i think that's a good idea because it it stops you spending too long messing about with any one of them you know good enough's good enough you're not going for perfection generally yeah that's a great yeah. phrase good enough is good enough it's yeah. so true. Well, 
I suppose something else comes to mind in what we've been talking about, and that's you said you'd, you'd, you'd go into three years, three months, one month, and focusing on on one thing. Um, that over the years is something I've realised, and as a book, I've, the name of the author is not coming to mind at the moment. I'll stick it in the show notes properly, but the book is called Essentialism. Um, and the guy that wrote it, I read it years ago, funnily enough, Chris Evans starts going rabbiting on hugely on his breakfast show about this book about three or four months ago. So it's brand new and it's just been discovered. But no, it's been around a while. Um, he makes the, the phrase that I've quoted quite often is that you can go um, um, an inch in a hundred directions or you can go a hundred miles in one direction less is more cut it down to the one thing that you want to do you're you're at work you're involved in all sorts of initiatives all sorts of meetings well actually do you really need to be involved in all of those Mm. something about learning to say no an awful lot more oh we'll drag the finance guy into that oh we need the finance guy on that team well, actually, do they? Because it ends up with you attending 10, 15 meetings a week that mm. only two of them are really adding value to what you actually want to achieve. Yeah. Um, get, it, get it down to that focus of what's the most important thing to make happen in the next month. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm such a big believer in that. I actually, going back to my corporate days, I got a reputation, deliberately so, for the guy who didn't do email. Now, really, I was playing out a strategy here where I was looking for a, a, a better way to look after my own time, my own agenda. Mm-hmm. And when you get to that scenario where I was a product guy, so people would be inviting me to lots of different meetings. And so I just put some friction in front of that because I knew if I didn't respond immediately to emails and there was a lag time there, they had to either come and get me or find a different channel, which meant it, I was actually needed. And mm-hmm. by... It's the same thing you can do if you want to break a habit. You create some friction to doing the bad behavior that you want to avoid. Mm. And I always find that was quite a nice strategy to take more control of some of the time that I had and also be involved in meetings where I could actually add some value. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I've heard a lot of people as well say that, well, okay, you can book me into meetings, but if you try booking me into a meeting before 12 o'clock, I won't be there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a great strategy or i'm not even going to look at look at email till 12 o'clock so at the same time you, you're saying that if it's urgent it really needs you somebody will come and find you yeah uh is how often how often do you turn up in the office the first thing you do is open email and instead of going in and being proactive on your own agenda you end up being reactive to 10 other people's agendas. Yeah. And that, that that's really what can start messing your day up. Yeah, absolutely. And then you end up with a week of meetings, which are with actually not having produced something at the end of the week. That's yeah. what I, I've always been quite interested in working with people during COVID. And now there's an opportunity almost working from home to take more control of your time and mm. your output. Yes. Uh, and then it's almost easier to do calendar chunking and do what you said there of going, 
I won't respond to any emails before X time, which allows me two hours in the morning to really be as productive as possible and do maybe that project work that is going to move things forward. Yeah. And go back to the Pomodoro technique and think about what what is a working week? And certainly in, in my area of consulting, you, you're always talking about charging a day to a client, day being eight hours, a week being 40 hours. But what actually is a charge? There, there are some hours are worth more than others, without a doubt. Yeah. And I've come to the conclusion over a while that says, well, hang on, let's think about deep work. How many Pomodoros have I done this week? Yeah. And I tend to think in my own mind that if I can do 40 Pomodoros, that's a week. Yeah. Yeah. And you can actually, if you, if you try to do that and make time for those 40, 25 minute sessions, you'll probably find your productivity, you work less and your productivity goes up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I use something, you could probably see it behind me there. I call this a focus board. And yeah. it's basically just a big old chalkboard, but mm. I, I will essentially use post-its and track everything I do. It's not a to-do list. It's mm. the things that are moving, let's say my business, or I'll use it for my own personal development or even my health, moving those areas forward. Yeah. And the great thing is at the end of the week, you've got a stack of post-its, which you can run a, a small retrospective on to go, okay, what, what were the wins this week? What were the challenges? What did I, what was the output? And what was the impact of that output? So it's, it's much easier to measure as well. So you, it, it becomes very tangible rather than going, try to think over 40 hours, what have I actually accomplished this week? It's all there. So I do something very similar. It's not, it's, well, it's electronic post-its effectively. I use a, a little app called Trello. Yes, big, uh, yeah, big fan of Trello. Lists, lists and cards. I mean, my, my Trello cards are your post-its. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic way. And I've got a, a kind of to do today and done <laughs> exactly nice three boards three three yeah. three lists and you just move the cards between the lists yeah yeah, yeah. i i find this is one of the reasons i like a physical i use the trello is one of the things that i'll use as well when i'm especially when i'm working in teams i'll use like myro is one of the tools that i use in, in trello i like the physical board because i get up in the morning and I go over and I prime myself. Yes. So when I talk about three, three, one, you know, it's three, three years, three months, one week. But I also do ask that every morning I'll do primer questions. Yes. What's today about? What will I achieve today? Or what am I committed to achieving no matter what? Mm. Uh, and then you might do other kind of primer questions like gratefulness or excitement or why what what will happen today that I'll feel lucky about? You'll yeah. throw some some curveballs in there. There's another little tool that I used to do just that sort of thing. It's a little little phone app called Five Minute Journal, which oh, I think nice. is brilliant. Yeah, it just says what are the three things I'm grateful for. What are the three things that will will make today great? Um, and then, you know, what are my affirmations? Yeah, the affirmations bit I always find hard, but. No, the, the first two, I think, are, are really good. And then it kind of asks you again, five minutes at the end of the day, what three things actually did make today great? What could have been better? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a super little app. It's free. Get it on your iPhone. I'll That's great. And do you find that that helps create some consistency with it as well? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we touched on 
meditation briefly. It kind of puts you into that um, more mindful state first thing in the day. Yeah. Um, you're, you're kind of thinking about the bigger picture a little bit. Mm. And there's a danger that what three things are going to make today great becomes a to-do list, but it's, it's not supposed to be that. Yeah. Um, it's not write your three biggest tasks down. It's okay. What, what really is going to make a difference? What makes it being a boring day where I'm just slugging through these tasks to what makes it an interesting day where I feel as though I've achieved something and enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I always consider the priming questions is literally priming your brain to put you into a great state mm. so that you're unconsciously paying attention to those things which are important. Because essentially yeah. that's what priming does. You, know, you prime yourself. It's the, it's the example of whenever I do the memory stuff, we do priming all the time. So I tell the story about when I bought a, a Citroen, this red, the red Citroen car, and I brought it back home. And then suddenly I noticed my neighbor had a Citroen, red, exactly the same. I'd never seen it before. It wasn't important. As soon as I bought one, my brain went, this is important. And then you start to spot it everywhere. Now yeah. you see all the Citroens. That's the typical thing. When I, I find that when buying a new car. Oh, I found a couple of years ago, bought an Audi Q2. And it was exactly the same thing. I suddenly, as, as I was thinking about buying one, I suddenly noticed how many of them were on the road. And oh, yeah, that's, yeah, I like that colour. And yeah, that's, yeah, another one there. And yeah, you suddenly do. You do, you definitely prime your brain. Yeah. And it's that, it's the hippocampus, which is basically going, okay, is it important? Is it important? Is it important? And then you're filing things away. So yeah. that act of asking those questions in the morning, if you go, what am I excited about today? It's not necessarily the thing that you pick. It's the fact that by thinking about it, you're priming your brain to look for exciting experiences. And that happens without you having to consciously direct your attention to it. Yeah. But that only happens if you if you build up that habit. And mm. It becomes something consistent. So Mark, um, your tiny habits course is in within Grow CFO, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's, it's, it's a free course, so you can go in there and there's, it was actually um, uh, Tiny Habits for Working from Home. It, it, was a, it was a session that I put together. And so the good thing about it is it doesn't just show you how Tiny Habits work. It also gives you looks at things like procrastination, Tiny Habits for Focus, etc. So, and it's a, it's a great way to kind of learn the strategy and then start to put it into practice. And then ultimately the goal is go create your own tiny habits, learn the process, look at your own life, think about the behaviors you want to create and then create some tiny habits to get started with it. Brilliant, Mark. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining me on the Grow CFO show today. Thanks, Kevin. Been a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm.